So Rahim Tov, we continue in the learning of the Sefer Ba'ayam Darkecha and we're discussing the various Minhogim, the customs of Rosh Hashanah. We just started that yesterday with the custom of Tashlich and we were discussing that at Tashlich uh, we are throwing our intellect, so to speak, like a young child and uh, we throw our intellect into the sea, as it were, and we accept Hashem with a simplicity. Okay. And that's the idea that since these, the, what we recite at Tashlich are the 13 mitos of Rachmim as presented by the prophet Micha, and they are revealing the great desire of Hashem uh, to forgive us and it really reveals what we're capable of doing as well as human beings. And after all the tefillos and all the new intelligence that we acquired, so now we want to do things with a great simplicity. And therefore, we want to just throw our averus because they're totally not for us, as we shall explain shortly. And we're starting things anew. And even though we've merited a little bit, we're screaming out to Hashem, that we're mavatal, all our understandings, and we accept things with a simplicity. And therefore, we start brand new. We do that, really, we've left the shul, and now this is the first external action that we're doing. And we're hoping that Hashem will have mercy upon us, and He will conduct us with the 13 attributes of mercy, which is beyond all the rules of judgment. And the main way you merit that Hashem will bring great merit upon us is with simple faith that a Jew arouses within himself the simple concept of what Hashem really is. And then Hashem will arouse to have mercy upon us like a father who arouses to have mercy for a son who pleads before him with a simplicity. And that is why we go outside of the sea city because outside represents the realm of chitzoniut externalities and that's where we throw away the averos because those averos are external to us you know it's in the city we're living and that's the main things for example the cemetery is outside the city you don't have a cemetery inside the city so things that are chitzoni like sins we want to leave them outside the cities and those are the the klipos that serve the Yetzirah and we nullify them and we reveal and we say with a full mouth that the truth is that everything is just God. There's nothing else but God. Every evil is false. There's no independent power and Hashem is doing everything. And even when things are concealed, we don't uh, look at things that way just as separated from Hashem. That's concealment is a test but our true amuna is that all these other things are not independent. It all comes from Hashem. He is the only one with all the power. And he explains this idea in footnote Sadi very nicely. He says all sins uh, come forth from the fact that the Yetzirah causes a man, person to forget of the reality of Hashem. And he lies and says there's good outside of Hashem. 
The Sohim Messiah Shashem and the Holy Torah. And you are an independent reality. That's what gets us to sin. And when a person listens, he falls into a subtle form of heresy. He doesn't understand uh, that there is no other reality and there is no other truth but Hashem. That's got him in the mess. So now when he does true and he returns to Hashem with all his heart and says, I made a mistake. So he nullifies all the falseness from the Yetzirah and he and he, uh, he comes to the realization that evil is false. And that's what we call to cast into the sea all our sins. So you're not throwing sins specifically, but we're just intellectually casting them away. Aye, wait a minute, but what about the Averis that you actually did? Ah, for that we arouse the 13 attributes of mercy, that the depths is that the deepest part that's hidden is that Hashem can do everything and through tshuva, everything can be changed to good. Even that the intentional can become merits, it's all revealed for the good. And how that will be known, that will be when Mashiach comes. But this is what our, we're d- demonstrating this. So after we did everything in shul, okay, it's time to play it out. And now my first, okay, after you have the suda, and then my first, going out so to speak is okay let's just take this false ideology and throw it out and ask Hashem for a tremendous amount of mercy that's the reason for that custom okay now if you can't do that for whatever reasons the weather doesn't oblige Shabbos whatever if you're not able to do it you can always do it all the way until Hoshana Rabbah until Hoshana Rabbah so you can always play that out Okay, that's custom number one. Custom number two is that after the Amida, instead of saying, Oseh Shalom Bimromov, we say, Oseh HaShalom Bimromov. This is brought down in the Shar HaKavonis. You should say with that extra hey, Okay, what should you be thinking about? The gematria. When you have shalom by itself is 376. When you add a hey, which is five, it's 381. And that's the gematria of the word safriel. There's an angel called safriel, which is safer, kale. He is the scribe who writes people into the book of life. So when we're saying Oseh HaShalom, now we know Gematria is a very deep connection to things. So we understand what's the connection between HaShalom to the Malach who writes that. I don't know, you have to look in it, but also when we say the Kaddish, when we take our Sosek, we say Oseh HaShalom. But the Zohar, but the, Kava, the Shark of Ona says, even in your own private Amida, when you take, whenever you're taking the three steps back, Oseh Ha-shalom. That's just one little letter. One little letter. That's kind of but before the life. Not now, but on... Every day. No, no, no. no. Only this period. On Nasser uh, Shemei Tshuva. Rosh Hashanah, Nasser Shemei Tshuva. I don't know if you get a... Do you have, is your sitter there? Yeah. So let's see. Let's take a quick look. I know it's a Sephardi sitter, but I would imagine it. Oh, but it doesn't have uh, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, does it? 
Like oh, but it would have the Aceris. Uh, no, it won't have it. Sorry. Uh, okay, well, let's get an art scroll sitter for a second. We'll just take a look. Okay. If, I'm, I'm pretty sure it has uh, some opinions on that. So just uh, sorry to make everybody wait for a second. Because art scroll puts in all the additions for the Aceris you made you. Uh, so really by any cottage. But I think it's not going to have it here. No, it's going to have it. has to be the Machser. Mm. Because uh, it only has certain insertions. So we'll have to look in the Machser. We'll leave it for that. But that's what he's saying. Um, and I'm pretty sure that's in from Rosh Hashanah. So what is the connection? Well, the simple thing is, in the merit of peace... We're written into the book of life. That's a simple meaning. If we have shalom, we'll be written in the book of life. That's a simple meaning. But the deeper concept is, the holy books write on Rosh Hashanah, a person should only think good thoughts. And those good thoughts are that Hashem will certainly bestow good upon us. It's interesting, in footnote Nun Gimel, Tzadi Gimel, he says, the holy books write there are four important conducts in Rosh Hashanah. Just a good side point. Number one, as we said, Rosh Hashanah, a person needs to have good thoughts that Hashem will certainly decree upon us a good Xerah. Number two, we should be happy on Rosh Hashanah. Number three, it's good to cry on Rosh Hashanah. And number four, the first day of Rosh Hashanah, we shouldn't speak so much. You know, we're socializing. I know there's some people who have a Tanis Dibor. They don't speak at all. Besides davening and that, they don't speak at all. But anyway, let's get back to the one of that it says we should think that everything Hashem's going to judge us favorably. Why? Why? What's the reason that we should be thinking these good thoughts? Because Rosh Hashanah is the core beginning, the root of the entire year. And the root always comes with thought. And therefore, really, thoughts are very influential on in what happens. Because whatever you do comes from whatever your thoughts are. Especially on this day that's going to set the tone for the year, the thoughts for the year are very important. So now, you want to have good thoughts. How are you going to have good thoughts? You have to have shalom to have good thoughts. Because this is the rule. When there's unity amongst the Jewish people, there's good thoughts. If there isn't unity between people, and let's say further, and between your body and your soul, then your thoughts are all confounded. And you can't think about good about you and about others. You're too busy, you know, harboring grudges, figuring how am I going to outmaneuver this guy. You got a lot of other things on your mind. When there's shalom, that's a whole realm of existence that's not disturbing you. And therefore, we ask for shalom specifically. And therefore, dafka, the word ha-shalom, hints to the malach who writes it down that through the shalom we merit that we're written in for the good. And therefore, shalom brings good thoughts. Now, on a, side, on a deeper level, in, in footnote Sadi Dalit, and if you want to merit shalom, you have to always remember to judge people favorably. Because if you do, your anger will go away. 
And more than that, when you judge everybody and even yourself favorably and you find good, through that, it, you will be able to do tshuva and become a tzaddik. Let's say you say, I'm a bum. No, judge yourself favorably. I'm not such a bum. Be at peace with yourself. And then it's easier to do tshuva. As the Pussing and Tilm says, for old man, a little bit more of ain't Russia. There's no more Russia. He's reflect on his place and it's not there. That through a little good that you can find, you can judge him favorably. It's a famous word from Rabbi Nachman. And that will cause you that he won't be a Russia. He'll be able to do tshuva. If we believe in other people, they'll help them to tshuva. Believe in ourselves to tshuva. There's got to be shalom amongst ourselves, which is critical for tshuva. And therefore the year will be a very good year. Now, shalom comes through a belief in the inner reality that Shem is doing everything. And therefore, even if someone does something that hurts you, you know that came from Hashem. Hashem's really doing it. Everything is meant for the good. I know the guy's responsible for what he did, but don't take it so personally. Take it more as a message from Hashem. And in the back of your mind, you want to thank that fellow for giving you that message. Of course, and you will forgive him as a messenger of what Hashem is telling you. We're not excusing that person's behavior. But a lot of it, once the anger comes, how dare he have the chutzpah do that? But would you say, how dare Hashem have the chutzpah to do that? What hurts you more? It's what, what the effect was. So just pretending it happened to you without that guy. Without that guy. And therefore, he says, adds in footnote, Sadi and through this amuna, a person will be happy with his friend and he'll see the connection between him and not the separations. Because if you totally believe in Hashem and everything is rooted in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so everybody is a part of the Holy Shekhinah. And when they removed from the source that, uh, when you, you know, that you, you now are revealing every Jew. When you look at the source, you look at you, where, where is that you from? It's from Hashem, it's the Shekhinah. So now there's no difference between me and you. Hashem is behind you, he's behind me. So what are we fighting for? And especially as we know, a parent does not like when he sees his children fighting. So if they're shown, he says, oh, they're shown with the family, so why should, why should I make problems for them? So this, this true emuna saves us from hatred, jealousy, competition. And therefore, we are written in the book of life, which is really revealing Hashem and seeing Hashem in everything. That is the book of life. So therefore, we should have good thoughts about people on Rosh Hashanah, good thoughts that we're going to have a good judgment. And it all comes by us creating an environment of peace. Hashem makes peace, but we have to be there to have this peace. And it's up to us to create the peace that we can create. And then Hashem creates greater peace. But then, then there's a reason for Hashem to forgive us and for us to do tshuva. So that's the connection why we say ha-shalom is the same gematria as to be written in for a good year. So it's not enough just to say the hey. <laughs> it's enough to produce, do things that create shalom. Okay, I'm going to skip the third one just for a moment, to see if we have time for it. What's the third one? What? What's the third point? Third one is to say Shir between after Yishtabach and before Kaddish. 
okay and some have the custom we don't have that custom so let's move on to the fourth one now fourth one praying for your phys for your material needs now we discussed this a lot in last night's class so you'll see a lot of what the tzaddik is saying briefly dovetails what we said yesterday in the parsha class that i recommend everybody should listen to on our podcast site now let's he wants to discuss it briefly remember we said the Zohar says a person should not pray for his needs but rather for the shechina hakidosha and anyone who asks only for his needs is like a dog who barks have have give me give me so what's going on so the inner concept is that on the day that we coronate hashem we should only be thinking about the king and we shouldn't be thinking about ourselves at all and certainly one who has sinned but we've already brought from our rabbis that if a person needs something and it's because they'll have the tools to serve hashem properly that is possible to ask on the day of the coronation because now you're worried about the honor of the king that he and his servants can serve him so he's saying and we should say this specifically you should say i want these things so i can succeed in my service of hashem and for your friends i want my friends to succeed so they can succeed in their service of hashem and then we're not considered like dogs when the dog barks he's barking for himself (laughs) okay so we're not it's, not, it's for you, Hashem, and I need this for you. Can we explain it much deeper in the two, last night's class? Look over there. But now he goes deeper that. You also have to ask, and when you're asking, you have to also have in mind it's a request for the Shechina, which means to say that nothing should be missing amongst the Jews because of the Shechina. Anything that's deficient in the Jews is a deficiency in the Shechina. Because Hashem wants, the Shekhin is our mother, wants what's good for us. And is, and is in pain for that. If there's something missing with the Jewish people, it's a blemish on the cover of the Shekhinah. It's as if Hashem doesn't have what to give. In other words, we're saying is like this. He says, people don't have. You bring Hashem, I need this. I need this why, so I can serve you. And more than that, the fact I don't have it, it makes people think that God isn't capable. And that... Um, God doesn't have what to give. Because where's your God? Why is he helping you? So I'm asking for this so people will realize that Hashem is there and he's helping me. But you got to be honest. Don't fool yourself and say one thing and mean another. How can you tell? What's the litmus test to know? If you're asking it so you can serve Hashem better and for the honor of the Shekhinah or doing it just for yourself. It's very interesting. If it bothers you, that other Jews should have it. If you're only worried about yourself, it's not a guarantee. They say, look, you look at the next guy say, Hashem, I know that guy doesn't have money. Please help him. As much as I want you to help me, I want you to help him. Now, why do you want it to help him? So he should serve Hashem and that the Shekhinah will be revealed through him too. Because at the end of the day, you care about the Shekhinah, not just your aspect of the Shekhinah, but any aspect of the Shekhinah. And therefore, you know, Hashem will know. But don't just ask, gimme, 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 without thinking anything about L'Shem Shemayim. As we said, 
this is uh, in the footnote, Sadi Zayin, is the difference between day one and day two. On the first day, we really shouldn't ask for so much physical needs, but mainly on the second day, as we explained, it's the Chitzonios. Okay. Final idea, Kivrei Tzadikim. The Ramah writes, there are places who visit the graves of Tzadikim and they pray a lot and you give tzedakah to poor people. This is sometime during this season, before Rosh Hashanah, not on Rosh Hashanah, between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Mishmur writes, it's an idea to go to Kivrei Tzadikim to arouse their merits that are there. Once they have merits, you want to arouse those merits. So the author here says, I'm going to give you a deeper reason. Where is the Shekhinah more pronounced nowadays? It's by Tzadikim. Because the Tzadikim are the Merkava. They're like the chariot of Hashem's Shekhinah. And therefore, even when the Tzadik is no longer alive, at their kever, at their grave, you can achieve a connection with the Shekhinah and to know what Hashem wants from you and to succeed in what you're trying to do. Because there's holiness at that grave. Similarly, we should go to living tzaddikim. These are the people who have sanctified themselves to the ultimate. They're totally nullified and connected to Hashem. And by them, that is where the Shekhinah is. And therefore, with the connection, the power of connecting to tzaddikim, who are either deceased or alive, every Jew can get some tvekos and touch the Shekhinah a little bit. As it says in the, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we read in the Torah, and you will say on this day, because my God is not in my midst, all this evil has come to me. And the, in the Kisvarizal, right, writes, where's me? meaning that we didn't bond ourselves, our souls, our nefesh, with our nefesh to our ruach, and our ruach to our neshama, and our neshama to the neshama Moshe Rabbeinu. And that's why we didn't get close to Hashem. Why do people feel they're distant, as if Hashem's not in their midst? It's because they're lacking that connection. When you're an exotic, you just feel that energy, that connection to Hashem. And that will help you as well. And you'll get the true understanding that Tzadikim can reveal to us. So therefore, really, all year long, we should bond ourselves with true Tzadikim. And that happens through Emunah and their words. And to love them and to value the fact that they're the ones who present the Shekhin to us. And at least, if we can't even see them, to accept what they say. That gives you a connection to them. And that is to the Shekhinah that is there as well. In other words, if you hear that Gedolim say, this is something we should be doing, something we should not be doing, you listen to the words of Gedolim, that brings you closer to them, especially in the days of judgment, where everybody, you know, makes a big deal of going to Tzadikim. So it, besides arousing merits, we will feel close to Shekhinah. So that's why, I'm not saying we should do this, but that's why a lot of Hasidim, wrestlers go to the kever of Rabbi Nachman. They want to be by the kever on Rosh Hashanah because that's where the Shekhinah is. And 
When you're near the Shekhinah, you don't do so many Averos. When you understand the Emes, and there's a power at those Kfarim. So there's people who will, will daven there. But uh, if you can't daven there, we always say, study their Torah. Be makushar to their Torah. Take a, a tzaddik's piece of Torah and study it. And that will connect you to that as well. And that really can happen when you're saying Tehillim. All these things. Tehillim is a big tzaddik too. You know? You're connecting to his words. Okay, since we have a little time, let's just go to the one we skipped. The Shark of Anas also says, it's very good to say between Yishtabach and the first bracha of the Birchus Krishma, the Psalm, the Shiramalas Mimamaki. And he writes, because every day of the 10 days of Tshuva, uh, it's aroused one of the 10 umkim, mamakim, which really means that are mentioned in the Sefer Yetzira, which really, you know, is beyond us right now. But the simple meaning is, and what do we mean? That every Jewish person has 10 depths. And what are those depths? Those are the 10 spheros. The ten midos that we have. Now, we don't see it, but it's deep inside of each and every one of us. And therefore, during Aserisimei Tshuva, we want to do Tshuva in those depths, as we're going to talk about in a moment. Now, even though the, he says the Nusach Ashkenaz, I think it means German Jews, is not to say it, but the Avoda Penimis is Iker. So now, with that, in the Sefer, there is a number of other very interesting things that we are going to skip because there's no way we can do the entire Sefer in one time. But what we want to now shift is to the next section that deals with the Aseris Yemei Tshuva, the 10 days of Tshuva. So we want to be able to get a little bit before the Aseris Yemei Tshuva and then hopefully we can get Yom Kippur in and see how much we can get in. And in my Sefer, it's on page Kuf Chaf Aleph. Uh, as an opening line, he says, the 10 days of Tshuva is where we finish and perfect the service of Rosh Hashanah. And the Avoda in the 10 days of Tshuva is to bring down whatever comprehension we received on Rosh Hashanah and it should come down and affect every part of our souls and our actions. And then we'll finish the first stage building a new connection with Hashem to realize Hashem in a deeper way. And then we're prepared for stage two, which is Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is stage two. Rosh Hashanah is stage one, but it gets doesn't get finished till the Aser Shemei Tshuva, until the Yom Kippur. So what is the Avoda? First chapter is what is the Avoda of the Aser Shemei Tshuva? So in Rosh Hashanah, we coronated Hashem. Some of us a little more, some of us a little less. And in a new way. And we were given brains, spiritual brains, to recognize there's no other reality but Hashem. Hashem's the only one who does this. And from that we accepted upon us the yoke of heaven completely. Good. But now we need to know that whatever brains we got on Rosh Hashanah, Whatever new understanding is only the beginning. Because through the shofar, the lights have entered us 
through the sphera of Kesser, the crown, which is the highest sphera. And what did we say Kesser is? You remember? Kesser means the rut zone, the desire, and the inner delight, which is the source of all knowledge and all comprehension of the soul, as we learned in the Shabbos classes long ago. The Kesser is the will, the king. The Kesser's on top of everything, on top of the head even. It's before what we're going to think about. Everything is determined by the Kesser, that ultimate will. And just like Hashem's ultimate will, the Kesser is to bestow pleasure to mankind. And that frames everything else we do. So we have entered the realm of the Kesser. And now we have to continue our avoda to bring in everything into our mind, into our midos, our feelings, and into our actions that they should enter completely. And therefore, each of the 10 days of the Aserisim Chuva, we work on bringing down another Svira. And, and that Svira, um, which uh, uh, that uh, in a certain way was there on Rosh Hashanah, got fixed up, but it gets specifically fixed up more on these days. And we have to focus on what's the Iker Sphira of that day. Okay? And Hashem brings down energies for each Sphira, for us to help and complete that Sphira, and that will now connect us completely with HaKadosh Baruch Remember, we're getting the point of Dveikus Hashem. It's all Hashem. Okay, I'm all Hashem, but I represent Hashem. I'm his microphone. So if to me, to be bottled to Hashem and to reveal Hashem, I have to develop the tools to reveal what Hashem wants me to reveal. And just like Hashem has the 10 spheros, I have to have the 10 spheros. I have to work them through in a way that I'm totally bottled Hashem and I will manifest those 10 spheros. 10 days, 10 spheros. Makes a lot of sense. So now in footnote, Kofiudi asks an interesting question. Wait a minute, didn't we spend time last week explaining the tkios and all the different kavanas by the notes and the blowing of the shofar? And we said by then we want to integrate the ten spheros. Didn't we say that? That was on the chart. When we looked at the spheros. And the answer is, you're right. And Russia, all the lights came in, but they all went in to the sphera of Kesser. Remember, every sphera has 10 levels in that sphera. Kesser has 10 spheros in Kesser. Now the other days want to focus on that sphera specifically. What does that mean? That certainly on Rosh Hashanah, when you heard that the Kios, a Jew accepts upon himself the light and the energy, but that's all in the category of desire and knowledge alone, which we'd call Kesser and Chachma. But now in the other days, we want it to become activated in its proper place. Because the Kesser, we said, is only that inner desire. It's the root. And the Chachma is knowing about the root and how important it is. But then everything else comes from that. So, for example, the power of love, which is the meat of Chesed, we accept it upon ourselves on Rosh Hashanah intellectually to love Hashem and to love Jews. But it didn't. But it's only in the tool of keser. We haven't actually done anything. It hasn't activated in terms of achievement. And you're in the shul, and you want to love Hashem, 
You want to love Jews. Now in the Aserisimei Tshuva, that sphera itself now comes into you, and now you're able to activate it as required. We'll continue discussing these ten spheros on the ten days of Aserisimei Tshuva.